Hello, everyone, and welcome to Joe's Tango Podcast, where we have in-depth and meaningful conversations with various instructors, organizers, and musicians in the colorful and exciting world of Argentine tango. I'm your host, Joe Yang. Thank you very much for joining us. Today's guest is a highly accomplished tango dancer and instructor known for her innovative teaching style and her influence in helping hundreds of students find their authentic creative tango voices. She was an invited presenter at the first ever National Tango Teacher Training Conference in the U.S., and she has been heavily involved in a number of prominent tango events, including the San Francisco Tango Exchange, the Tango Teacher Co-op in Minnesota, the Baltimore Tango Solstice, Tango de los Muertos in Boston, and many, many others. She is the co-founder of the Oxygen Tango School in her home city of Los Angeles and remains heavily involved in developing workshops and strategies designed to improve the connection with her dance partners and music. Our guest today is the one and only Mitra Martin. Mitra, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show. You're welcome. Thank you for having me, Joe. Excellent. To get in, I want to sort of take things back to the you're near the beginning of your tango journey. So can you describe the moment when you knew you wanted tango to be a big part of your life? Sure, absolutely. I, um, for me, it was pretty strange because I was, uh, it was actually at a milonga in Buenos Aires, oh. um, <laughs> which was my first ever experience of tango. Um, I was there on a business trip and uh, my boss had suggested that I that I check out Tango while I was there, and mm. uh, so I went to La Viruta, and oh, nice. uh, <laughs> and I knew nothing about Tango. Mm -hmm. I had never taken a class. I'd never danced. I ha I actually had no background in dance at all. Mm -hmm. um, but that setting was so so it, different from anything I'd ever experienced. It felt so enchanting in a way. I had mm -hmm. never seen so many people of all different ages coming together to share something like that. <clears throat> and uh, yeah, I was hooked. When I got back to New York, I started taking classes right away. Oh, great. So did tango come easily to you, even though you had no prayer dance experience? No, absolutely not. <laughs> I, it came very, very not easily. Yeah. I uh, I struggled a lot, um, mm -hmm. and I still do. You know, I uh, I'm a slow learner. I think, um, and uh, you know, tango has a it's just such a dense form. There's so many so many layers um, to developing skill as a tango dancer um, mm -hmm. that. Uh, yeah, for me, for me, it's been a it's been a struggle every step of the way, and uh, and yeah. I guess um, I guess I appreciate that what that does for me in terms of um, making the forcing me to slow down and articulate the path so mm -hmm. that I can help um, other people navigate it. Yeah, yeah. When I first started learning, I, I had no prior dance experience. Either. The only advantage I had coming in was I had been a musician, but other than that, um, mm. it was. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was a struggle. Um, can you describe your first malanga? I know you the first time you went was in was in Buenos Aires, but after you started learning um, and you ventured out to milonga for the first time with tango skills, um, can you describe that experience? Hmm, my first milonga. Um... Yeah, I guess when I got back to New York, I started taking classes, and uh, I didn't even know there were milongas in New York for mm -hmm. months, actually. So mm -hmm. um, I think maybe six or seven months after I'd been taking classes, like three or four times a week, um, I found out about a milonga, and 
I remember it just having the same response that it was so beautiful and it was just something I, I really clicked with and resonated with and I wanted to be a part of and I, I mean I definitely remember some awkward dances and awkward <laughs> awkward moments you know now that I think of it with you know people that I felt I wanted to really be able to connect with but there was some obstacle in my own set of skills at the time or sort of my um, kind of just mental and emotional state at the time you know I think those those things can really be an obstacle to connecting as well um, so I guess it was a mix of frustration fear and just magnetism you know the mm. sense of like really wanting to wanting to live and be sort of a native in this world yeah yeah, yeah just out of curiosity uh, when did you start dancing in New York I started in 1998 okay yeah I started in 2000 were you how long were you in New York for I lived there for six years. Okay, I may have yeah. actually crossed paths at some point with you <laughs> as a newbie. Really? Who knows? Wow, okay. I don't know. I was just thinking because I was I was there um, roughly the same time would have been there, but wow, yeah, okay. um, yeah. Just just kind of sticking with milongas. Uh, what are some mm -hmm. milonga survival tips you could uh, give to some of our members of our listening audience? Let's say assuming they <laughs> they, uh, they they know the códigos, they know the cabaceo, they know to stay in the line of dance, um, but they're mm, yeah. relatively inexperienced. They're show up in a milonga, they're a little nervous. What are some some tips you would you would give them? I mean, I think my perspective on milongas actually is connected with sort of like my philosophy of tango in general okay. is that the dance works for you and brings a lot of joy when you approach it um, with the mindset of, of being a creator and a contributor um, as opposed to being a consumer. Oh, <laughs> so okay. if, if you come, if you enter a milonga with kind of the, the question or the curiosity in your mind, you know, what can I contribute to this? How can I help everyone here have mm. more fun? You know, what are my gifts? What are my strengths? And when you're beginning, you know, you might not feel so confident in your, you know, what you have to offer as a dancer, but, you know, you can still bring a loaf of banana bread or, you know, something like that. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, people, yeah. people can find ways to um, express themselves and contribute to, um, to the atmosphere uh, of a milonga, which is really meant to be a party. It's not meant to mm -hmm. be sort of a, a, a stressful situation. And so I encourage people to think of themselves, you know, how would they behave if, if it was their own party and they were the host and their role was to try to make everybody feel more comfortable and have more fun, mm -hmm. that sort of lens on the milanga, uh, you know, opens it up um, for, for people who are still just learning the dance. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I think being active, like you said, not being a consumer, I think that's a really good mindset to get into. Yeah, people talk about, you know, wanting to... to get dances or you know trying to yeah. you know feeling unhappy with the with the the, the number or the quality of dances that they mm -hmm. receive and i think that kind of misses the the real opportunity which is to try to find connection like authentic connection with people within the embrace and also not in the embrace you know mm -hmm. through conversations through curiosity asking questions you know right. just through looking at it as a as you know a learning experience about yourself and about others every step of the way and and I've found also that that I tend to have more fun you know even now at, at milongas or any sort of tango event if I prepare myself 
mentally and emotionally beforehand. Mm -hmm. You know, if I focus on the qualities that I want to bring to the evening and what are the um, what is the type of energy that I want to I want to you know to bring myself. Okay. Yeah, that's that's excellent. So we all have rough patches during our learning. Um, so what's a what's a rough patch that you had? Um, maybe one that was so bad that you almost thought about giving up, but you didn't, and you, instead you wanted to keep on going. So do you have a a story or an experience that uh, that you remember? Yeah, I do. Um, I I did try to quit <laughs> about uh, I guess it was about three years into tango, mm -hmm. and um, I'd gotten really obsessed. And um, I think you know probably other people have had this experience yeah. where the one person you really, really, really want to dance with, or the people you really you know hope uh, will want to dance with you, you know, there's not there's not that. Um, that energy flowing back. So, you know, I wasn't getting the dances, getting, you know, the dances that I okay. thought I wanted. And um, and I had the idea, hey, you know, maybe learning to dance swing will be easier. Maybe I'll have more fun faster. Uh -huh. <laughs> so I just, uh, yeah, I, I pronounced to everyone I knew in tango that I was quitting and, you know, signed up for some swing, swing dance classes. Mm -hmm. um, and really... The thing that brought me back was was my friends in the mm -hmm. tango scene. It was um, it was my birthday a few weeks later, and Aww. some of my friends organized a little party for me at a milanga, and <laughs> it was just <laughs> and I went along with it. Um, I guess you know the part of me hadn't really quit yet, and mm -hmm. I had a beautiful time. And uh, I think you know for me, it's just the whole process of of growing and staying in this dance has always been really intertwined with the friendships and relationships that Tango has brought me. And so that's an example where that's what, <laughs> that's what kept me going. Yeah, interesting. So birthday party out of Milonga and that. <laughs> you can't Mitra, you can't. I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so again, you know, also with rough patches, there also come um, positive turning points for us. So can you describe the moment when you really started feeling comfortable with tango, that you really started to, to connect with the dance? Oh gosh, I don't know if there's just one moment, you know, oh, for me it's more moments, like a, yeah. it's like a cycle. It's, mm -hmm. um, it's like... I tend to go through periods where I'm really struggling for for a while and then, you know, somehow after that there's some micro quantum shift where mm -hmm. suddenly I feel a little bit more comfortable and like I've acquired a new level of ease or skill and mm -hmm. that lasts, it might carry me through, you know, a few months or a few events. Um, and then there's another edge. I mean, I think, uh, you know, so there's like these cycles where sometimes everything feels like it's really flowing and really clicking and I feel very, mm -hmm. uh, very confident and, and in flow. And then there's, you know, there's always that next learning edge that gets revealed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if that not, answers your question. I mean, no, it does, definitely. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like you said, it's not one moment. It's, yeah, like these cycles, that's a good way to describe it. I mean, I guess I would say that sometimes those cycles sort of sync with not quite partnerships, but but relationships or you know individuals 
in the world of tango that there's some kind of like mutual energy or mutual resonance with, you know, whether that takes the shape of a lot of social dancing together or a lot of practicing together or other forms of creativity together. A lot mm -hmm. of times, you know, uh, um, a really, I don't know, a, a re you know, so there are certain connections that have a, a special energy and mm -hmm. in those connections there's a lot of potential for growth. Um, mm -hmm. So I've, I've definitely experienced that on many occasions. They have their own life cycle too. Yeah, yeah. So um, kind of going, staying with the learning aspect, what's some of the most helpful feedback or, or advice you've gotten from an instructor? Hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, uh, a couple of things do leap to mind. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I feel really grateful that I, um, you know, to have, ad to have had access to um, the thinking and learning from Daniel Trenner as mm -hmm. well as Brigitte Winkler mm -hmm. and all of the people who've been influenced by their perspective on tango um, as a co-created dance and the value and importance of uh, really actively exploring both roles in order mm -hmm. to understand um, how the dance works and just to really fully experience and embody sort of what is going on in tango. So, I mean, that's one thing that once I started really embracing the idea of learning both roles, um, that changed my whole tango experience. Mm. Um, I think the other thing that pops to mind that um, Gustavo Navera has highlighted mm. and also modeled is the importance of the peer group mm. and um, working, you know, exploring and practicing and sort of deepening your understanding of the dance, not necessarily always looking to teachers or authorities to do mm. that, but mm -hmm. doing that through a committed you know, peer partner or peer group exploration process. Oh. Um, and that, that's been huge for me, you know. Mm. I, I, think, uh, I think just really it help, it's helped me take ownership of my own process and feel like, uh, it, and build some really amazing relationships and friendships mm -hmm. along the way, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just love it when I see students, you know, when they start getting together outside of, classes and they start saying, oh, well, let's, let's get together and try this together in our place. Yeah, so it makes all the difference. And, mm -hmm. and you know, practicing the, the, you know, and investigating the dance, but also just practice, you know, just exploring and connecting socially because there's so much about tango that is beyond movement. You know, it's internal or interpersonal or, you know, it has to do with music or subtle dimensions of culture. And mm -hmm. so I feel like you know, my friendships with other dancers, you know, professional and non-professional, just kind of like talking and connecting over meals and road trips, like yeah. that has contributed hugely to, you know, mm -hmm. to my feeling connected with, mm -hmm. with tango and confident in this world. Yeah, yeah, excellent. So uh, changing gears a little bit to uh, your experiences as a teacher, can you describe your transition from student to teacher? Uh, yeah, I mean it happened um, so slowly, but as I, you know, when I moved to LA, um, I, well, I came to the West Coast, and mostly because I was just inspired by a lot of the dancing and events um, and dancers on the West Coast. There was mm -hmm. so much exciting stuff going on in San Francisco and Portland and Seattle, and you know, just all over the side of the country, and. Um, 
I didn't move to any of those cities, but I moved to Los Angeles, and on the west side of Los Angeles, I was really looking for the kind of uh, that kind of culture, that mm. kind of creative, exploratory, um, you know, fun experience that I was having at, at festivals, and so it wasn't easily at hand, so I decided that I wanted to create it. So I started really by just being a community builder, hosting mm. practicas, and I didn't feel like I really knew that much about teaching or, or how to teach. Mm. Um, so I think like many dancers in my generation, I was um, encouraged and inspired by James Friedgen, who had done a lot of thought um, on teaching tango, and he had put together a lot of curriculum resources. Mm. Um, and so that was, you know, just the little bit of a push that I need needed. Mm. You know, um, Stefan and I decided to start um, offering classes uh, here on the west side and slowly building a community. Okay. So what are what are the, your um, the favorite kinds of students to work with? Favorite kinds of students? Probably several <laughs> That's different a hard question. Yeah, probably several different personality types, but... Uh, I mean, yeah. I love when people, mm-hmm. you know, come in with questions and, mm-hmm. like, are very clearly engaging with the material between classes, you know? Mm-hmm. Just like thinking about all the students that I've yeah, worked with over the years, you know, it's like, I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't know if I could really say I have a favorite type of student okay. to work with, you know, I think each person, I mean, it's, it's nice when you have the sense that like tango is really landing in, in mm-hmm. their life, you know, and it's, it's leading to connections and, and usually that happens when they bring a level of, um, of of commitment and you know sort of thinking and engaging with tango between classes but I mean I guess I would also say that you know I, I feel blessed because many of the students that I work with do that just because of the way we structure our offerings so like being in the tango challenge you know the, the people who actually choose to do that course like yeah. are by definition going to be committed because yeah. the, the course kind of you know really is uh, you know, requires that. So you wouldn't sign up for it if you weren't, right. you know, going to be very committed. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But I definitely think yeah, you're right about uh, students about asking questions. questions. I think we, we really love it when, <laughs> when they engage just with, with questions. Yeah. Yeah. So um, how do you, how do you convince beginners to continue if they're sort of on the fence about, oh, I don't know, they like it, but they're, they're not sure they want to, they want to go on, but you, you can kind of see potential in them. How do you encourage them to to go on? Hmm, well, that's a huge question. So yeah. beginners, at, at, at what point? You know, there's, because, I mean, I've been focused on beginners, my, like my whole tango yeah. life as a teacher, and there are different kinds of beginners. There are beginners who have taken one class, there are beginners who've taken, you know, four classes, there are beginners who, you know, have taken three months, and they're, you know, still on the edge. So it's like, it, it depends on yeah, so um, many things. I mean, I think the, the people yeah. that we tend to worry about the most mm-hmm. are the ones who've been coming for a while, maybe once a week, sometimes a couple times a week for a mm-hmm. few months, and we think they have potential, and they feel a little bit on the edge because they're not sure if, they're, if it's going to be worth, you know, how soon they'll feel the payoff. Uh, from the energy they're putting in. Is that the type of beginner you're thinking yeah, about? Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, let's mm-hmm. uh, let's talk about those. I, uh, where to begin? I mean, I've yeah. solved this problem by, I mean, we've definitely noticed that 
there is a slump that every beginner hits. And I think it's helpful for them to know about that at the mm -hmm. beginning and, you know, say right off the bat, you know, the, you know, the first class is going to feel really awkward and, mm -hmm. you know, the, the, you know, probably you'll also have a slump after, you know, five or six weeks and just, you know, it's normal. Mm -hmm. Everybody struggles yeah. and, you know, if you stick with it and stay with it and, you know, really, you know, um, focus on, on building friendships and building relationships, mm -hmm. um, then you'll get over this hump because, mm -hmm. you know, hundreds and thousands of people have, have gotten over the hump and, you know, then it's just smooth sailing and it can be really, really fun, you mm -hmm. know, and it's just, you know, but just to kind of tell it like it is, you know, not, what is it like, um, you know, not gloss sure, over sure, sure, the, yeah. the challenge that they might, um, mm -hmm. that they might be facing. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. I, think, I think that um, you make that really good point about uh, the, you know, making the friendships because it's not just you're going to power through this on your own with, with sheer willpower. I think that support network with the other with your fellow students that really that really you know it gives you a sense you're all in it together. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, and my my thought is I think we as a community of teachers and community organizers and uh, organizers and professionals. We've, we're really only partway there in terms of creating the right type of uh, experience for beginners mm -hmm. to be able to form those social bonds and be able to find a successful experience in their first few months. Mm -hmm. Because it really is asking a lot of, <laughs> of, of a person who, who's busy and has a life to, yeah. you know, to, to keep doing something that feels not fun right. for several weeks or months. <laughs> so, yeah. um, so, you know, I, I think there are lots of, you know, ways that we can complement, you know, some of the intrinsic awkwardness of, you know, that can be there in a, a group class situation um, or, uh, or the, the types of learning formats that we're accustomed to using. Yeah. Um, and just emphasize more, you know, peer-to-peer -peer learning and learning across tango generations and buddying and mentoring and finding ways to build those bridges so that, so that um, you know, really great, you know, social connecting can happen. Mm -hmm. I mean, even just, you know, through you know, communal meals and, and those types of things. Yeah. Uh, you've worked a lot with teachers as well, right? I mean, you've been involved in a number of uh, major events, marathons, festivals. Um, you talk a lot about the innovative side of teaching, the connectedness and a lot of the, the creativity in exploring new ideas. When you, when you work with a lot of teachers and helping them become better teachers, uh, do you notice uh, maybe some common threads? Like what are, what are some things that a lot of um, well-meaning tango teachers or aspiring tango teachers, or what are some things that they all kind of get wrong? Um, well, I, I mean, I really think that we are still living out um, mm. a, a big um, misunderstanding in terms okay. of tango pedagogy. Yeah. Um, because uh, if you look back at sort of, you know, the the traditions, I mean, my understanding of the, of the, you know, how Argentine tango was taught and learned in the golden age and mm -hmm. prior to that, it, it was, it was, it was shared and, and taught and learned very informally in, mm -hmm. um, in social clubs and it really, 
um, was built on the idea that it, you know, in order to dance the leader's part, you need to be able to uh, dance the followers part and you know there was this kind of like there's a whole culture of like learning both roles and mm -hmm. helping you know friends helping friends get good mm -hmm. um, through through practica um, and through you know this really rich sort of um, peer powered social club environment mm -hmm. um, and somehow in the 1940s you know hundreds of thousands of people were able to learn mm -hmm. how to dance this dance you know yeah. probably not all at you know a very fine level but they were able to dance socially mm -hmm. um, without without you know that you know just through through that sort of in, uh, informal learning not mm -hmm. through um, structured formal classes and private lessons and things like that. And yeah. so that shift happened when, you know, tango came to the U.S. through the mm -hmm. Broadway shows. And um, since we didn't have the social club context, you know, it, it mm -hmm. got um, organized through ballroom clubs, which immediately separated the roles, separated the genders, mm -hmm. and formalized the instruction. Um, and I think most people who teach, you know, don't have any different paradigm in their mind mm -hmm. um, than, than formal classes. Yeah. Um, and I really am uh, doubting more and more whether that's, uh, that's the best way to mm -hmm. bring across the essence of this dance. Um, there's only so much that, that you know, uh, one teacher surrounded by many students mm -hmm. can in part in a dance that's so interpersonal, so in the moment, so one-on-one, -on -one, so direct, so mm -hmm. so much about that one-on-one -on -one interaction. Mm -hmm. um, so I think the most successful teachers have found ways to um, to really uh, bring one-to-one -one learning into mm -hmm. the classroom. Um, but I think many beginning teachers are really struggling to make a format work that is not really in sync with the deep nature of Argentine tango, mm -hmm. and that's the group class format. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you hit on something really important there. I mean, you know, I think part of our culture in America is, you know, you go to primary school, secondary school. We're kind of used to that structure. We've almost sort of mm. imposed that on every aspect of life, including our recreation in terms of, <laughs> yes. of tango. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I'm glad you're definitely exploring new ways and you know breaking those molds. Let's let's. See, yeah, let's, let's let's be creative with this. I mean, I guess I really think format innovation is mm -hmm. is is key. You know, we also have inherited the idea of the one hour long private lesson, mm -hmm. um, and so much can be accomplished in a fifteen minute private lesson. Yeah. So there are lots of ways that um, that we can bring more one on one contact mm -hmm. to to our students. Yeah, excellent new ideas, experiment. Mm -hmm. Yes, let's do it. Uh, so, can you tell us about some future projects that you have in the pipeline? Sure. Um, I think uh, well right now I'm um, I've been working with uh, Caltech Tango Club for mm. for years and um, through that experience I've really gotten a window into the challenges that um, that uh, Tango clubs on college and university campuses face mm -hmm. um, and I really feel like these college or campus-based clubs are. Um, are really the future of tango. I think yeah. you know uh, that's where um, you know young people find out about the stance and uh, you know potentially you know 
can get excited about it and get really involved in it and start, um, you know, taking, you know, leadership roles and, you know, community organizing and growing the dance and even teaching and DJing. Um, mm. And so uh, I, you know, recently asked um, uh, tango dancers to, uh, f you know, I did, did a little research project on the state of campus tango clubs. Yes. And yes, um, yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's kind of reinforcing the findings that everyone believes they're important. Mm -hmm. um, people have had incredible experiences, you know, when they've had a chance to be part of a well-functioning tango club. And also, they all struggle so much. There's so many difficulties um, that uh, campus tango clubs face. So I'm really interested in um, building more resources that'll help make it easier to run a successful and thriving club on a college campus, um, and uh, and just you know keep developing those resources until they work. Um, uh, for you know, for anybody that wants to use them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you again for that. That. Um... Uh, that that survey that was really helpful. I think uh, I tried to pass that along to a lot of our folks here in Madison. I think um, yeah, I appreciate uh, it. Yeah, a couple of them definitely uh, filled it out. So yeah, so for those of you who filled out that survey, you are speaking to the mastermind behind it right now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> excellent. Yeah, so um, thank you so much, Mitra. I know you're really busy, and uh, really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, where can where can we find out more about you? This is my pleasure. Um, yeah, my uh, you know I keep keep um, people connected with my work through my website. It's mitramartin.com, um, and I'm also out there on Facebook, LinkedIn, all those places. So okay, yeah. All right, excellent. So if I'm out on the West Coast, so hopefully I'll catch up with you at a Malanga sometime. That sounds great. Okay. All right. Thank you again, Mitra, and uh, best of luck with all of your all your future projects and ideas. And um, we'll catch up with you again. Sounds great. Thanks all for right. doing this, Joe. Take sure, care. My pleasure. Take care. Bye bye. Well, that was another great conversation with lots of good information. And what really stuck out in my mind, and you probably noticed it too, was the fact that Mitra emphasized the importance of your Tango peers as a learning resource. Yes, our teachers are great, and they're happy to answer questions and to help but don't overlook the people around you. The tango friendships you develop aren't just a side effect of taking classes. Without spending time practicing with your peers, your tango learning simply will not be complete. And when we think about building tango communities, that includes hanging out and getting to know one another, like going out for drinks or having small house parties. So go out and dance with each other, and when you do, know that it doesn't always have to be at a milonga or class. So thanks again, Mitra, for your insights. And to all of you listeners, thank you again so much for tuning into Joe's Tango Podcast. If you enjoyed this program and you're listening on iTunes or SoundCloud, it would mean the world to me if you could leave a five-star rating, a positive review, and remember to subscribe. It just takes a couple seconds. That does a lot to help more people find this podcast. And of course, sharing this with your friends would also be lovely. I truly, truly appreciate your support. Okay, that's it for now. We'll have more shows coming to you every week. I'm Joe Yang. Talk to you again soon.